West West y'all. But um, now, Craig, man, thanks for coming on the podcast. There, Sorry, here we go. You're so, you're so cool. This is the tip. <laughs> See, that's those are the kind of things you know. Yeah, yeah, your yeah, experience yeah. with all this broad- yeah, yeah. broadcasting kind of yeah. stuff. Do you ever do that? I used to. I yeah, used yeah, to. no, no, it's a, it's 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 good. It's handy. Mm. You just and I usually because because what happens is you if you if you're not sharp on it, you still cannot quite get it. So, oh, okay, but isn't that just to sync up the audio? That's audio to video now. Yeah, you've synced it. Yeah, yeah. The problem with the thing i use with um with vegas pro i don't know if you use vegas pro but it and um, it's it's it lags a bit like the video and the audio lag so i gotta like match them up again like along the way oh it's not you, an ideal way if you clip them out yeah oh yeah that's that's um it's like 0.1 of a second or yeah, 0.001 yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll, that'll be the 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 editing frame rate in vegas oh so I can can I adjust that? Yep. Make it, oh. Yep. I don't know where because I don't use Vegas, but but yeah. other software can do it too if it's not quite right. See, there's a reason why. There's a reason why. There you go. There's a reason yep. why I came so on. So just Greg. just Google that. Just go uh, Vegas, uh, not syncing with audio, yeah. and someone will go. Yeah, you, here's the setting. You'll find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Because because we you know because I I heard I've heard all the debates for the mirror the stuff and the one thing I liked about you. Of course, well, the first thing though was your experience in, in, in broadcasting. Oh yeah, yeah, and doing all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Like you were mm-hmm. doing, you actually worked for One ZB one time, no? Yeah, so I've always worked. I've always worked for myself. Because mm. you got the radio voice. You have yeah, the radio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I've, always, I've always worked for myself. So yeah. I've been been a freelancer, yeah. and I didn't want to be part of uh, part of the team there, like as an employed by them. Mm. So I preferred to be a calling contractor. So right. that's what I liked. But yeah, yeah, I spent time at ZB. Yeah, yeah. And uh, really out of all of them, I've done ZB, Radio Sport, Sky Sport, Prime, and three only because my commentary was on over mm. motorsport. Not, not, I wasn't actually a presenter on three as such. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 And now, because I, I come back to the your, your radio voice again, because exactly, because when, when you mentioned that, on, on, when I heard you on the radio and stuff, I was like, that's 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 why he sounds so good. Like, nah. His, his uh, speech is crisp. He's a good talker. It, it's a funny you thing. Know? It's it's not <laughs> that they didn't train me to talk that way. It's how I've always done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's how I ended up getting in. By uh, well, I prodded, you know. So it all came about because I was doing my motorsport stuff. Hmm. And the oh no, this is a long story. So I'll go back a bit. Yeah, yeah. So so what what used to happen in the days of the V8 supercars? Um, when they came over, which is finished now. I mean, they'll still come over, but they'll never be a pookie again. So what used to happen in what we call the old days is the event would travel around Australia and then come to New Zealand, and they'd say to the local area, you've got to provide your track PA people, your commentary, um, we'll bring the racing, right? So so you provide whoever's going to talk to the crowd and 
entertain them and and commentate for them and and things like that. So what they used to do right around Australia and here in New Zealand is they'd go to the local radio stations and they'd say, supply your people, and then they'd do deals, and so they'd do advertising deals. So so to advertise on the radio, they then you know do all sorts of behind-the-scenes contra deals and advertising and promotion and marketing and all that, and part of the deal was radio would supply. So I was at an event in 2003, and I heard them talking and thought, that'd be really cool. That'd be cool. So I, I just... I just got cheeky, eh? And I just, I just walked into, into up into the comms area, which was um, up in the upper grandstand of Pookie, and it was like members only. I just sauntered in like I owned the place, and I'm um, just walking around, and I saw Murray Deacon. Now, I don't know if you know Murray Deacon. Yep, yep. Yeah, old Deacon on sport. Where and is he, he now? I oh, retired on Waiheke, oh, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or is he Waiheke or up up um, Omaha or Snell's Beach? Anyway, it's somewhere nice. So I saw him sitting at a table, having his lunch by himself. I wandered up. Hello, Mr. Deaker. <laughs> Hello, son. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. exactly yeah. what yeah. So I, I, I said, oh, my name's Craig Lord, and I'd really like to, to know how to get into broadcasting. Take a seat, son. So had a chat to Deeks, and he told me what to do, and, and he said, you just got to be, um, you got to persevere, and you got to annoy them. So I did. I found out who was in charge of the people on commentary, and he worked at the radio station, and he was fairly high up in management. And I just kept emailing him, emailing him in over and over and over Persistence. and over. Yeah. And then in the end, he gave me a gig at the track the next year. And and his his, his words were, and we we still laugh about it today because we're like best mates now. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 20, 20 years later, and and his email to me was, "If you're crap, you're gone." <laughs> that was he gave me the Friday. If you crap, you're gone. And I did it. And by Friday afternoon, he says, all right, you better come back for the whole weekend. And and then I just kept prodding him and prodding him to get on radio. And he goes, well, we don't have to train you to talk. You, you talk properly. So come on in. And they, they, they brought me in as an adult, as an intern at night. And I was fine with that because, you know, I was 32 or something, whatever I was. I said, yeah, I want to do this. So I, I was going at nights to learn how to produce radio as an intern unpaid and I did that for months and in the end they gave me some stints filling in and then that went on for a couple of years and ZB because they're part of Radio Sport because I started at Radio Sport uh, and and I ended up being what they call the the producer host on the weekends so you have to self-produce so you've got to run your own show while you're doing talkback and while you're bringing games to air and you know in those days it was cricket and rugby and you'd be flicking between the games for commentary and making sure the ads play all that you got to do it all yourself on the weekends and so then they trained me up at zb said oh we, we want this guy instead so <laughs> they started bringing me in as a fill-in host over there so um really it wasn't that i was trained to do it i didn't go to broadcasting mm, school mm. or anything like that i just um i seemed to have the snack uh, ability to just rab it away for hours and, and be able to talk. And, you know, they gave me some fine-tuning. Some of the old-school pros there, um, just in, you know, some of my introductions and how I would do that. They just said, just do it, try it this way. Um, and, and I'd make little tweaks. Um, and I've just, yeah, it's just how I talk. So, yeah, yeah. so, so that, yeah that's that's the long story of, of my broadcasting. and But I stopped doing radio <clears throat> probably... 10 years ago well what are we now 22 so no no not even that long ago 
um, because I started doing stuff with Sky, and I was their live um, news. They used to have a show called Three Six Five Live, and it was on at nights. It was basically before uh, Crowd Goes Wild started up, and then um, over the years, the two shows started clashing because Sky owned Prime and Crowd Goes Wild was on Prime. And so then they started bringing Crowd Goes Wild into Sky, and then the bosses sort of said, well, we've sort of got two shows almost doing the same thing. One's more newsy, one's more entertainment, but we don't need two. So slowly over time, they got rid of 365, and I was, I was, uh, it, it used to rotate between myself and Clint Brown as the presenters. And so we'd mix it up between being a journo for the night or reporter or, or the presenter, and eventually they just canned the show. So, so a lot of things I used to do at Sky, um, you know, that, that's broadcasting there, mate. Once they change the show, you're you're gone. It's it's a brutal, brutal occupation, mm, mm. Um, and, and people come and go all the time, you know. So, but anyway, that's uh, yeah, that's that's my broadcasting. What I've been doing, but I've been you know writing and talking and telling stories for twenty years now. Yeah, and and I love it. Because you're an engineer by trade, right? Mm-hmm. In the in, in the beginning, how long did the broadcasting become full time, and the engineering stop uh, at, at the at the very beginning? About yeah. a year. Oh, okay. So so at the just as I was starting to, I was just starting to not enjoy the engineering anymore. Right. I miss it now. <laughs> <laughs> if things don't go my way, I might go back. Um, but I do miss it. But what I've been able to do is I've got my own workshop. You know, and I've got all my own tools, and and mm. I I make things and I fix things, and it just keeps me going. And I've got mates who still own factories and stuff, and they get me in to mm. help them out, and and that's pretty cool. Um, but near the end of that, it, it was there was a, a transition period because I didn't realise, but I was writing and talking for a living when I was doing engineering, because I was writing papers on on how to do my a particular type of engineering, and it was going to engineering magazines. Oh, what type is that? Because it's so, hydraulics, right? Hydraulics? Yeah, hydraulics and pneumatics. Yeah, which so is, is that like um, downpipes and no, 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 no. Hydraulics and pneumatics. The easiest way to say to people what is hydraulics. That's what makes a digger move. All right. So when you see the arms Mechanical moving, hydraulics, yeah, yeah, when you see the arms moving and the things swinging backwards and forwards, that's hydraulically powered. But I never worked on earth moving. Well, I won't say never occasionally, but I didn't like doing the grotty, dirty stuff. So. I did factory automation. So so the machinery, it's called an injection molding machine. Anything basically that's made out of plastic is molded. And so these automation machines are what I would keep going. And they'd be all hydraulic because of the power and repetition and pneumatics to, to on there as well, which is air. So So I was basically trained up to be a maintenance and diagnostics. So when, when they stopped working, I was called in. Just think of it like a plumber or an electrician. It's not working. The ring crag, you know, but it was hydraulics and pneumatics. And I also got into the, the I was trained by two of the best in the in the country at hydraulics and pneumatics. So I was really lucky to have those two guys as my bosses who owned the company and, and they trained me well. And I ended up being a design engineer for it. So people would say, I want a machine that does this, design it. So we would, we'd, we'd okay, well, you need to, it, it's got to do this. Well, this is what you need to make it work. This is how you've got to build it. So we build it for them. So that was it was pretty cool. But I was just getting tired of it after that time. So, so I was writing articles for engineering magazines that engineers, general fit turners, and the you know the, the the guys in the overalls in the factories who are there all day every day keeping the, the factories going, 
they would read these engineering magazines, you know, and I would write in it about filters or pumps or valves or oil or how to how to test the oil and all these sorts of things. So I was writing. Didn't know. Didn't realize I was a writer. I was just mm. writing. I mm. just <laughs> just writing about what I knew about. And the magazines were taking this stuff. And then um, I was also a hobby photographer. I loved photography at school and. And, and we're talking before digital cameras, you know, 35 millimeter film and chick, 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 roll it on. And the studio in the red when it's red. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and no, the so, yeah. And, and I'd, oh, mate, the amount I would spend at the one hour Photoshop, you know, you'd you'd take your rolls of film in and then you'd go back and pick them up. And that, that and then I went through the transition where uh, technology changed so they could put the, they'd develop the films and then put it onto a CD for you. You know, so you'd have a digital image, but such low resolution back then. So I went through that that transition of of so I was in photo, into photography, and I loved motorsport. Like that was my thing, motorsport. And I started going to the tracks and taking photos of cars, and and I was right into four wheel driving as well, big time. Loved it, going the bush, Woodhill, around the country, four wheel driving. And then one day, someone was there who was going to start a four wheel drive magazine. And my name got put. They said, "Go talk to that guy. He 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 writes and he takes photos." And so the, the, this 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 lady who was starting this magazine and I just started chatting, and we ended up, you know, creating this four wheel drive magazine out of nothing. And, and so we did that in the background, sort of. I did it as a part time, just for nothing, uh, for about a year. And then I went home one day and said to the wife, "I'm I'm leaving work. I'm going to try and make a career out of this, and I'm still doing it today." So it was a big gamble. I mean, I knew nothing about the trade. Uh, I didn't know what a freelance media was. I didn't know how they earned their money. I didn't know how to invoice. Didn't know how to charge to take photos or write stories or anything. But it's just developed over the years, and you learn about it. And so that's so yeah. So long story short, and, and social that, media would have been new then. That's it didn't right. exist. Well, it oh, did. Internet was there. Eh? It was there, but it was pretty limited. Um, and so magazines weren't online. Websites weren't online. Clubs had pages. So you could find out what was going on, but they're really like <laughs> we're talking uh, a steam engine type of technology, you know, back in the the uh, early noughts, which is when I was when we kicked in. But but it was really the transition time for digital cameras, and so I I was buzzed that I got to buy my first digital camera, a Canon digital camera, or was it a Fuji, whatever it was, and and I, I remember going to the events and some of the old photographers going. Did you grab a digital? What? How does it work? You know, we, we, you know, and over the years, you just end up buying as it because you know digital technology now it's updated in a year, and so I ended up spending a lot of money replacing cameras and replacing and replacing and replacing, never really earning the income to re- to, to, yeah. to justify it. But <laughs> you thought you had to stay up with technology, so that was cool because it taught me how to be a tech geek. Oh right, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. so that was good. Um, and then engineering helped anyway because I understood. Yeah, you know, a lot of what they were were doing because engineering is fundamentals. Um, but yeah, that was the transition period, and it sort of then developed, and and, and I'm still doing it today. So so uh, I don't regret it. I don't. I you know I'll never ever be rich doing freelance media. Yeah. But it's a heck of a lifestyle. <laughs> oh, it was fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. I remember I went to this party in the early 2000s, and this was the first time I saw a digital camera for the first mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And this one guy had it, and he was taking photos of everyone at the, at the party, but. I was buzzing out at the this is TV screen at the back of the camera. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wow, you can just, what? Yeah. Photo on the fly and uh, you can delete and do another one if you don't like it. 
And yeah, I was, man. I remember buzzing out at that like this yep. is we're in the future. <laughs> yeah, and now it's just it's normal. It's it's yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, it's just a normal thing to see these cameras, and everyone knows what they are, and and kids grow up with them now. They don't know any different in phones. So even now, the technology's changed. Where I'm no longer um, using my digital cameras to do my broadcasting. A lot of time, I use my phone because the camera quality is so good in, in the new phones that you don't need to. And I, you know, I'll probably I don't know. I'd hate to guess the amount of money sitting in in travel cases on my on my office shelf that I don't take to events or functions anymore because I'll just put my phone in my pocket and use that with a little gimbal and the audio and away we go yeah. and and the quality is just as good. I mean, you you don't want to do high end high high end stuff like if you want to do a doco or do some real good filming, you want to play around with color and saturations and your your follow focus and all these little little things you can't quite do with a phone. Then yeah, sure. But general run and what they call run and gun, the phone's the way now. Because all that kind of stuff, the editing, the the coloring, the editing, all that stuff, people go to people go to school for that. But you you, you learn just yeah, taught myself, learn by doing. Yeah, 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 learn by doing, and and I was okay with that. It means you takes you a little longer, um, and obviously you're not as fast at doing it as as those who've been trained in it. But that's okay, you know. When you work for yourself, you can justify that. And I was fine with it, and I still do it. But but what I've found now is clients want a different thing now. They they because of social media, and the online world is so instant that they're quite happy. They don't care about color correction. They don't care about um, uh, everything being perfect in frame and all this kind of stuff. It's not a film, you know. It's not for TV. Um, so they're quite happy with genuine run and gun now. You know, you you you, you film it. You record it, you edit it on the phone or, or very quickly on a laptop, and bang, you punch it straight out on the internet world. That's what they want. Um, it puts a bit more pressure on you because they want it now. <laughs> you know, the client says, well, how quickly can you get it out? Yeah, now, okay. So, and that's fine, you know. That, that, if that's what they're paying you for, then you do it, you, you know. So th- this is a service you pro- provide now for if you're broadcasting. Uh, you go, you can broadcast an event if you, if they want. Yep. And put it on, on yep. social media or on their platform. Yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah. So I've got all the gear. And I, and I can right. either do, say, let's pick on a motorsport event. Mm. You know, I can go there and, and, and do stories about the drivers and results and teams and the race. And I can punch it up online just as, you know, as soon as I've finished film, boom, she's edited and up, yeah. up it goes. And that's what they want because their sponsors and fans want it now. That's the world we've become. I want it now. They don't want to wait. And, and no one puts anything in magazines anymore because mm. you got to wait a month. And by then it's like, who cares? <laughs> you know, we saw the results from from the public online. So you got to keep up with the public too. That's the other thing because the public is streaming, yes. they're filming, they're taking photos, they're putting up results. And if you're late, uh, then you're way behind the ball with your with your social media and your reporting mm. because the general public have done it before you. Which is why I think the mainstream media try to use breaking so much. And, and What's so that? breaking, breaking, you know, oh, breaking right, news, right. you know, and, and often you go, well, it's not really breaking, <laughs> but what they want to do is try and keep attention to them right. rather than everybody else. They're fighting for the attention. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what they do. So, mm. yeah. How do you feel about the, the media now, especially mainstream media? Because mainstream media is something that I always bring up on this podcast because I'm an independent podcast mm-hmm. and podcast is a thing that's been growing for a it long has, time yep. now. And it's, I think it's pretty big now. A lot of people doing it. Yeah, and the only difference between an independent podcaster and mainstream media is that mainstream media can get the pull of everybody. 
when, yeah, uh, when yeah. a podcast has to start from scratch. Or yeah, that's right. They yeah. don't have that pool. Well, podcasts, when they came out, um, went off with a hiss and a roar, and then it died for a few years. No one was doing them. but It was like, ah, the trend's gone. Then it started to grow back again after a couple of years. And why do you think that? Why, why do you think I don't know why it died off. I don't, I don't really know. Um, I did some in the very early days of podcasting. I did a, did a handful, and then people stopped listening to them. And I think it's because it was you didn't have all the platforms. You didn't have Apple. Right. You didn't have Spotify uh, and everybody else, all these other platforms, Buzz, Buzzsprout and everybody. They didn't exist. And so you were trying to get your podcast out there. Even YouTube really wasn't. They weren't doing it. So it was really hard work to get it out. And I think people went, oh, this is just too hard. But then once all the platforms started turning up, people realized how easy it is to register yourself and get your, your podcast out there. So, And then the mainstream media picked up on it. Once they realized that they had it, they've started, I mean, they've really hooked into it. So you get all these radio hosts who do their radio shows and then they do a podcast as well, you know, or they'll put their host show out as a podcast. So you're right, they, they've hooked into it and they've realized that podcasts are a big thing. And it uh, makes it hard for a lot of the smaller to, to get traction and get cut through and, and get interest. But it, it, you persevere and it will work. You just got to be willing to do it. Yeah. But mainstream media, they're, in simple terms, they're a pain in the ass. They really are. I mean, if you talk local body elections, a pain. You know, trying to get your message out and, and tell the people what you're about, hard work, mate. Well, the, well the, that's what I find, find. I find that what they do is they wait to the. The one in the lead, or the one, or the one in the lead, and one coming second. Oh, we'll just yeah. talk to these guys. Yeah, but what they do is they're pretty lazy. So what they they wait for is someone to produce a poll, but the polls no. are sketchy. But it's all they've got to run with, and then what happens is you get what's called the sheeple effect, right? So what happens is an entity puts out a poll. It's pretty limited. There's 1.1 million voters in Auckland. Right, 1.1 million people can vote. And they do a poll of 500 or 1,000 people out of 1.1 million. You know, it's like, whatever. <laughs> it's not exactly a big percentage. And and they they then send that poll out to the media, and the media go, oh, well, that's what we'll use. We'll run with that. It's it's pretty poor. It's lazy. And especially these, these last couple of polls this election cycle where the undecided has been 44% on average. So nearly half. So if you interview 500 people or poll 500 people, 250 have no idea. 250 said, well, we like that guy. Well, we know. Don't even say they like. We know that guy, that guy, that guy. The media go, oh, well, they must be the front runners. Well, are they? Mm, really? So it's pretty lazy journalism. And then they just keep running with it. Yeah. So. Is that a reflection on how many people actually vote? Because when it comes to local elections, that's like the... The least amount of people every time yep, yep. comes around. And it's 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 worse at the moment. This is a really yeah. bad turnout. And that's, well, there's two reasons. One is because the mainstream media are lazy and they wait for those polls before they'll report on anybody. And uh, then they pick their favorite and they run with it no matter what. Even if they're atrocious candidates, the media will just, you know, they won't even look at anybody else, which is, which is a shame because there's been some candidates with some good stuff. Yeah. Um, not enough, but some good stuff and they should have written about it. But they don't, and and to me, their job was to inform the public. But they've turned into more opinion writers, and this is who we believe. So you need to hear about what we think, which is wrong of them. Um, but that's one problem: is the mainstream media don't uh, give the public enough information on who's out there. The second problem is the archaic postal vote. 
it's a it's a stupid thing. We shouldn't be doing it in this day and age. Twenty twenty two, and we're still doing postal votes. I mean, that's crazy. Um, there's the system called Real Me. I don't know if you know that's the identification system, the digital one. Uh, it's pretty high tech, and, and that's what's used to go on to government websites if you're registered with Real Me, your IRD. So it's pretty solid and tight. They could use that, you know. And and but what they should do is say to people, in your when you when you check your electoral roll when they send you that first bit of paperwork to check your address and your name and all the facts are right and if everything's right you don't send it back because it's all good but what they should do is have an option on there that you can tick do you want a digital vote yes or no you can tick yes send it back and then they know you want digital so they'll email you and then you use your real me log in make your vote job done so they've got to do that they've got to step up they they knew in 2016 that the the Voting numbers were poor. They knew in 2019 the voting numbers were a shocker. They've had three years to get on with it, but they haven't. They've just mucked around, and now we're still stuck with this postal vote. And it could be another shady, low turnout. And, and for example, the mayor of Auckland could be, uh, if only, let's say, 30, 30% turnout, that's all of, what, 400,000 people. Um, that's it. That votes. That's, you know, a third. Um and that's not a lot of people want that mayor. That's pretty low. So it could be, it it it's not good democracy. Not really. Yeah. The numbers aren't good. Mm. How do we get people to vote then? Because I always thought that like every time we get the the national elections, mm-hmm. vote for the government. I mean, there's a day where everyone goes to the polling yeah. booths. Yeah. And that, vote. That would also be a good idea. Why can't we do that? Because yeah, that would work. That makes everybody get up. Yep, to do something. They get like, excited about it. Because the hype, the hype's yep, there before. Correct. Yep. You know, there's no, like, because I find when I get this thing in the mail to vote, oh, yeah, okay, I'll vote. But then I forget. Yes, correct. And then it's sitting there. Yep. yep. And then next minute it's too late. I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot to That's do. it, man. That's it. And that's a lot of people I mean, are that's like that. That's happened to me a few times. Yes. You know? Correct. So, yeah, a booth could be a good idea. But with digital, maybe we don't need to. But it, it's an inspiring thing. And, and yeah. you could you could even do it as. Um, because it, it'll basically be those who, like the elderly, who who aren't savvy with digital um, at the moment, they will be, you know, the next gen will be, they'll be fine because they've grown up with it, so they'll be fine. Uh, but the current elderly generation is still learning a lot of the technology, so they might still want a postal vote, which is why you should be able to tick if you want it or not. But you could also say, but on the state, you could digital vote, you can post vote, but we'll also have a single day where you can go in and, and do a ballot vote. So they could they could mix and merge all three, collate it all together, and then over time, get rid of the postal vote and just make it digital. And, and I think I think the the whatever the generation is now, let's say those who are sort of eighteen, give or take, you know, after another five elections, which is what fifteen years, they'll be in their thirties or near it. Digital, it'll all be digital, and so it should be. And the and and the security will be awesome. I like the idea of a digital. I don't don't think that people would like think it's a safe way. At the moment, they'll be scared because you know Trump gave it a bad name. With mm-hmm. the whole digital. Yeah, he did. Then <laughs> that's why you you make sure you, people understand. You use the real me system. Mm. Um, I mean, if yep. they if they do it on the national level, if they do digital for uh, voting for the government, mm-hmm. maybe people, you know, if that if they do that yep. first, and then, yep. then people get used to it, then oh yeah, we can do that for. Yep. For local elections too, yep. you know. See, the the other thing is is because the mainstream media uh, don't tell 
the population about all the candidates. And and to be fair, that's hard to do because there's 23 alone just running for mayor of Auckland. You know, so what do they do? Do 23 articles or 23 people? Well, maybe they should for the first couple of weeks. You know, do it. Put put a thing about them. You know, and then they'll get feedback from the the public because they can read the social media and soon work out that ah the people want to hear from this one and then they start can start sort of doing their homework and going is that is that who you want to hear from you know ask the people but they don't want to they don't do that they just use those sketchy polls so and then I think that's could be also a reason why people don't vote um, because they don't have enough information and they just shrug their shoulders and go oh, I don't know don't know if I like those ones I won't it's just easier not to vote and um, that's a problem. That's a real problem because you don't get representation that you want. Do you think that if it's an old cliche thing, but if things get really bad, that will force people to vote? <laughs> like people don't know if things are bad, and until they start complaining, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, they'll yeah, think, yeah. "Man, what's going on?" Like, yep. what's happening? And then I, I think that'll happen next year in the general election because that's how I feel. Yeah, like I feel like there's so many things wrong mm-hmm. about the city, and I, you know what? I love the city. Mm-hmm. I love Auckland city. I'm mm-hmm. a big Auckland blues fan. Mm-hmm. Everything Auckland's about me, you know. Yeah. I don't like the Warriors because they changed to New Zealand Warriors. They left Auckland Warriors. So, they did. Yeah. So now I'm not Warriors fan anymore. So, you know, I'm that kind of passionate yeah, about, yeah, yeah, about yeah. the city. I love the city, but you yeah. know, there's things in the city that you know make me scratch my head, and and, yeah. and I wonder about you know. Yeah, and and I mean, I I've I've got my ideas to how to make it better, and the media have have written about a few of them. Not a lot, a few of them. And the general population out there that I reach on social media, they obviously they like it what I've got to say. Um, and so, and and see, that's another thing that the other candidates haven't worked out yet, the social media side. But because I've been in it so long now, I realised how powerful it is. And even today, I I looked at my insights and and, and my reach for the last twenty eight days was about seven hundred and twenty thousand. You know, and none of the other candidates will have that. So I use that instead of mainstream media which is what I had to do in 2019. So I'm, I'm okay with that because I, I know that my message is getting out and hopefully it'll turn into votes. Um, but the mainstream media do need to take some responsibility and, and, and write more about candidates and their visions and thoughts to let the people know if they want to be part of a true democracy, yeah. Because you're doing well in social media, are you getting more of the younger, the, the, the younger people well, from I'm, Auckland? I'm not getting the TikTok and Instagram audience. They're not really my demographic, and and I could have learnt to try, but uh, generally they're also not voters. They don't bother, so I sort of figured I, I'll I'll use that cesspool of Twitter, but that's more just to keep an eye on things, and and do a little bit of message sending. Um, I share stuff to Instagram while I'm doing it on Facebook, but generally I still use Facebook because I find the Facebook user is slightly older. Um, and more likely to be interested and vote. Um, and the younger ones, let's say 30 and under, those who are interested will actually make the effort to go find out. And if they're not going to make the effort, they're not really interested anyway. So it's kind of like, well, I've, you know, you can't spend all your time focusing on the wrong things. you got to target a little bit. So so I use Facebook a fair amount and and generally i'd be i'm pretty confident that the facebook user is a is a, is a voter as, as, as i've been following your, your campaign a bit and you know you got your website you do your blogs you've got your social media how do you think about how do you go about doing your 
your your your posting like what's behind each post that you do in terms of like uh moving forward with the campaign like how do are you looking at trying to get get more reach get your message out there it's it's all about getting the message out yeah yeah definitely and and it relies heavily because the algorithms keep changing yeah. on social media you could have a you know you have a really good few months and then facebook will change the algorithms and you go I wonder why my posts aren't getting seen it's because they've changed what they do but they also got very clever a couple of years ago why would they do that well what's the reason for changing because they just think they know better oh, okay. <laughs> but they also realized that uh boosting they they Right. You know, in the early days of Facebook and social media, the boosting and ads weren't there. They didn't exist, right? Mm. Then they realized that if they change the algorithms so that your posts don't get seen as much, the way to make them get seen more is you've got to boost them. Right. So now... Forces you to yes, pay money. you to give uh, them money. What? Yes. So if you want to get it really out there, you got to pay them. And I suppose, to be fair, they're providing a free service and... You're using it for free to to market yourself, mm. so I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I get you. Fair enough. It's just advertising. I, I don't mind. You know, you mm. you pay for your boosts, and they they do generally tend to work. Um, and so that's that's how I I do it. So so I do all my own social media, and I'm pretty sure that most of the time I get it right. Sometimes I might do a post and I go, oops, <laughs> after right. I've done it. But but that's social media, you know, yeah. and you go, okay, all right, so be it, don't worry about it. Don't yeah. delete it, just just live with the fact that you might have written something that, that didn't gel mm. with the people who are watching, and you go, okay, cool, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because if you, if you delete it, you're, you're a little bit insincere, you know, you're, mm. you're a bit chicken, um, which I'm not, you just you take it on just the chin. Up there. Yep, you take yeah. it on the chin if you've written something that people don't want to hear about. Yeah. yeah, and that gives it the authenticity. Yeah, guess. it does. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, with this podcast, like I use social media hard out to try and promote. You mm-hmm. know, to put out there, put previews of of episodes, and yep. and try to engage the audience too, or engage the listeners. Mm-hmm. What I do with with Facebook though is create a private page, mm-hmm. and but don't don't invite anyone and just advertise it on the podcast. That way, people that do come on, you know, they listen. Yes, and yes. that way, I can just treat them. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. A bit more personal. Yeah, yeah a bit more personal. Yep. So. yep. But unfortunately, if you want to really spread it out, you're gonna have to give them money. You're gonna have to give Facebook money. That's mm. how they work. And because Facebook owns Instagram, just give them money. Um, Twitter, they're separate, but their ad system is weird. So who cares about Twitter? Mm. Um, but that's just the way it is. You know? Yeah. But what I'm trying to do is try to get on board of the community. Like, well, what this podcast is about because it's called Back of the One Three Five, and that refers to One Three Five Bus. That that's the Ranui bus because I grew right. up. That's where I grew up. Yep, in Ranui, and we used to catch this bus one through five to go to town and back. Gotcha. But the, the cool thing about one through five bus is it goes through the suburbs. It doesn't go through the motorway. It goes through Avondale, all the way down to um, mm-hmm. to town through Avondale, through Newland to Ranui. So the idea is to pick up people from the bus and. Have a conversation at the ah, back of the bus. Yeah, so well, we're all the conversations. You know, and if they're, <laughs> and if they're listening in and they're voters, that's good. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And that, But that's social media. Social media I'm using to spread the message, you know, what, yeah. what, I, what I believe is good for Auckland. Yeah. Because I haven't heard any of the other candidates do social media. No. You're the only one. Yeah, yeah, I've they're pretty bad. And, and the advantage for me, I think, is that uh, they have to guess their reach. Mm. You know, uh, is their message getting out there? They're guessing. 
that it's getting out there. I can actually look at the numbers and go, well, according to my social media, my message is getting out there. Um, neither of it translates instantly to votes. So, I mean, we all have to hope with our fingers crossed that we're getting votes, but at least I've got some sort of empirical data that I can look at and go, yeah, you know, over 700,000 a month are seeing what I'm doing um, and about 400,000 a month are interacting with, with the posts, which is even better. But if I wasn't getting those numbers, I'd go, oh, okay, this, 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 I'm just not getting the cut through, so why bother? You know, there's a, there's a, one of the nut job candidates. He, he has like 80 people following his page, and he puts up his posts regularly, and they have two or three likes. And it's like, why you bother, man? I mean, that's got to be telling you something. Mm. It's just not working for you, so why bother? But that's just ego that keeps you going for that, you know. Um, and if <clears> I was getting the low numbers, I'd say. People don't want to hear about it. People don't want to know. They're not interested in voting for me. I'll go off and do something else. But because I'm getting the big numbers, it tells me that people do want to hear what I've got to say. They like what I've got to say. Mm. And they like my policies and what I want to bring to Auckland. So I'll, I'll keep doing it. How do we get? How do we solve the problem of getting people to vote in the local elections? It, we- it's got to be that digital thing. That's really what it's got to be. But at the moment, for this election, it's getting them excited to do it. But how, how do we go about getting it done, like getting the digital or getting all these new ideas or scrapping the postal thing? Is, oh, that, is it like a... If I if I get in office, like if the stars align and I get in in October, I'll be going to, local, to the government and, and to the local government minister, which at the moment is Mahuta, and saying, hey, this isn't working. Auckland wants a change and we'll lobby the government for change. This is what we want to do. This is, you know, and you discuss it around the council table, like anything that's involved with central government, it's the same thing. You discuss it around the table. You 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 agree whether you want that or not. Then you go to local uh, to central government and say, "This is what we want." You got to make it happen. There's 1.1 there's 1.6 million people in Auckland. 1.1 million of them are voters. This is what we want. Make the change. And and you put pressure on them to 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 look at it. So is it an incentive not to make the change because that's how they win? That whoever it could be. I mean, to be fair, low voting is probably good for me, right? Because I'm I'm fighting against mainstream media to get the coverage, and, and I use social media, so a lower turnout is actually probably better for me. But I think we need to change the script. We need to do it better. So we've got to get democracy working properly. Everyone's got to have a better opportunity to vote. So. Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll be knocking on the government's door. And that's the advantage of being the mayor of Auckland. You've got that office of influence because you don't have the power to make that change, but you've got influence. You know, you're mandated by the people. Well, 30% or whoever voted you in, it's not a big number, but you're still there and you can put it out to the people, say, do you want this change? Um, that's not much of a survey. It's pretty easy. You can do that online pretty quickly. And if you know you get half a million people coming in and say, yeah, we want the change, and ticking yes, then boom, we go to government. We say we want to we want to do it differently. The other thing I see with people not voting is they don't care. That's correct. Which is what I've been trying to do. I've been trying to get people excited and enthused about the the changes that I want to make and, and the idea that we can make it a better city by just tweaking some things and, and making it better. And so that people can hear that. And that's what I'm I'm seeing on my my feed. Uh, people go, yeah, we like that. You know, that that's a good idea. Yeah, let's go, let's go. And the more they share it more it tells me that's a good idea. And that's the excitement factor I'm trying to bring into the campaign. Um, I think that the the other two um, are pretty boring. Uh, one of them can't do anything 
<laughs> that he said he's going to do. Uh, and the other one, it's just Labour Party policies and it's going to be, well, that's not what I want. So um, there's no enthusiasm, which is what you say. There's no, no people don't want to vote because they're looking at those two and going, what's the point? I don't, I don't, I don't want either of them, so they don't vote. Um, so I'm doing my best to get my message out there to say, but here's an option, people. You might not want these two. Have a look here. Have a look here. And so I'm relying on my supporters online to spread that message, which yeah. is which is what social media is good for. It's not just me spreading it. They spread it. And the more they share on it, the more they 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 uh, comment on media pages, the more they do that, good for me. So it's more like you use social media to combat the the mainstream media. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And, and in fact, it, even one of the mainstream media did an article on two weeks ago called Craig Lord, The Man Ignored. <laughs> and 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 uh, he actually gave the media a serve himself. You know, they gave he gave his own industry a, a, a bit of a serve, um, saying they shouldn't be ignoring me. That I actually do have good policies, and they should be talking about them and 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 exploring them. And uh, but even his own journos are not didn't they obviously didn't read what he wrote and they they just don't so i have to and he did mention he said uh in 2019 which is my first time trying he said i i did well using social media because i got my message out to, because i couldn't get it out through mainstream media and then i've had to do the same again this time so i'm while it's frustrating that mainstream media don't don't want to really um share my 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 word I'm okay that mainstream media, that that social media is doing it for me, uh, and those numbers are, are pretty good. So so I'm I'm comfortable that the message is getting out there. I just uh, you know, and I've only got really because the postal finishes on the fourth of October, which is what next Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever that is, Tuesday. But you can still vote right up until lunchtime Saturday next week. But right. you've got to do that by going. You got to drop it in. You got to drop it in, or mm. go do the special vote at one of the Auckland um, centres, which is listed on the website. So it's easy to find. You just go Auckland election um, voting spot or something. You know, Google that. It'll it'll pick it up. So so I'm still for the next week. I'll be pushing social media. I'll be going hard on it to to get my messages repeatedly to the same people who follow me anyway, but relying on them to share it. And get it out there, and and they share it to their community groups, which are big on Facebook. You know, the community groups are pretty good, and and if those community groups see what I'm doing, then they might go, oh, you know, and get those those unexcited, the 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 ones who can't be bothered voting, the apathetic ones, um, the ones who are unsure and undecided, because that percentage is really high. That's where I'm targeting to say to them, here's an option. Have, have a look at what I've got to say. Have a look at my videos, look at my website. This is what I'm doing. And now make a choice. So that's why I use it against uh, mainstream media. You know, with your background in broadcasting and your experience, coming into social media, because social media is like the Wild West. You can do whatever you want. Do you feel sometimes you're restricted to what your experience is in mainstream? Because there's, there's rules in mainstream. And when you cross over to social media to get your message out, you could actually be a f you, you could be free to do whatever you want. Like you might discover, or there might be other things that you could do on social media that don't translate well in, in mainstream media. You know what I mean? Like oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but what you've also got to be mindful of in um, what I'm doing, campaigning, that you're running for public office, so you've got to have a bit of decorum. You've got to be careful what you do, and and I know sometimes uh, the shock and awe thing works on social media 
But you've also got to say, well, yeah, you're running for public office. It's probably not a good thing, you know, to to film yourself and do something viral, which is really what you do to think outside the square that you can't do on mainstream media. Um, filming myself um, naked running down <laughs> Queen Street might go viral, but it's not good for public office. You know, people go, oh, no, that's not what we want. Um, so a perfect example is a guy like Leo Molloy, you know, who who, who was getting... Um, he was extreme. He's at the high end of extreme. He's at a restaurant, aren't right? yeah, 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 yeah. And, and and I don't like the guy at all. I, I think he's a complete muppet. But um, he he went too far. And you if you're going for public office, and some people think it's cool. Oh, look at him go! Yeah, I want him. Yeah, he's going to smack that guy in the face. Well, hang on a second. You know, he's not really. Um, so you got to have a little bit of um, composure. And a little bit of professionalism. So, so I try and mix the mix the two to find a fine balance. So my my broadcasting um, experience and what I know about how because I've had MPs come up to me saying, "How do I get more people following me on social media?" Right? right? They've asked me, <laughs> and I said, "Well, you've actually said why?" And they go, "What?" I said, "Social media. It's not mainstream. It's social. Be social." So in your in your, when you're writing, don't write a press release. Just be colloquial, you know, just talk normally, talk to the people, just how's it going, peeps, you know, or, you know, yeah. <laughs> hey, boys, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, just, just, you know, you don't have to be a, a, a knob about it, but, but just, it's social. So act like you're talking at the bar or like you're talking to your mates at the restaurant or whatever. That's what you got to do. And they, they still haven't quite grasped it yet. Um, I mean, you can do a lot of things. You can, like Instagram, for, for instance, you can do like lives. You can interview yeah, people. Yeah. Go on lives, yep. interview. Yep. You can engage with the audience or with the followers. You can ask questions. Yeah, that's get, right. Things like yep, that. Yep. Which, yep. Uh, and I was doing my podcasts, but then because I was trying to do so much myself, uh, I just didn't have the time. Um, and look, if I if I don't win, I'll go back to doing that stuff. You know, and, and and what I'll end up being is is almost the the anti mayor. <laughs> you know, I'll target what they're doing wrong. You know, and I'll I'll spend the next three years and I'll make them accountable. And I'll they'll be on a podcast, all right. They won't be a guest, but they'll hear about it. <laughs> you know, I was, I, and I could say to Walton, I told you, I told you, you shouldn't have voted for this one because here, this is what's happening. You know, or this isn't happening that they promised. So I'll I'll use the social media. You know. For the next three years mm. as well, so it's not a problem. But it, hey, even if I'm if, as mayor, I'm going to use it. So that's something that's never happened before. You know, you get you get current Phil Goff who might do a little tweet. Well, actually, he wouldn't. It'll be his people. They'll do a tweet or a Facebook post. It'll be boring. It'll be no one cares kind of stuff. No, I'll I'll can I'll actually be a social media mayor. Mm. So people will know what's going on. They can converse with me. Um, I'll get the haters. But that's social media, you know. You got to, you got to, you just ignore them. They're not affecting you. It's, it's not a it, sticks and stones stuff. Who cares what they say online? You it's know, like it's, don't read the comments. Yeah, yeah, who cares? <laughs> you know, it's not like they're actually turned up with a baseball bat and kneecapping you. Mm. You know, it's, it's who cares? You can write whatever you want. You can be as abusive and obtuse as you want. I just don't care. It's social media. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you want to be a tough keyboard warrior, <laughs> fill your boots. Whatever. It's like um, for the hundred people that say negative stuff, there's going to be a hundred people that say positive. Yeah, stuff, you know? and and it just it just doesn't worry me that kind of thing. So so I'll do that as mayor. I'll I'll be doing regular i think every second week i'll do a a um, podcast video so vidcast um i'll do that and i'll tell the the aucklanders hey this is what's been happening for the last two weeks mm. welcome along right and uh, i'll make it all of 10 minutes 
So if people don't get bored and say, this has been happening, and I'll have a list, right? We've been doing this, this, this. Like we haven't been able to get this pushed through yet. We're still voting on it. This has changed. This is happening. This is happening. Yeah, that kind of thing. And engage with the people. And that's what I'll, I'll use my broadcasting skills to do that. Because when you, you really think about it, the mayor has limited power. But the mayor is still the representative. That's that's the job. You're the you're the represent the city and the people, and the people want to hear what's going on. And we haven't had that, so I'll do that. So mm. so I'll use yeah, I'll use the social media properly for that kind of thing. One thing I like about you, uh, Craig, is when when I look at when I look at the other candidates, like the reason why I think I don't care, or you know, because I can't get a straight answer from them wherever they are. Like they, ask the, they go on these debates or they go on interviews, they get asked the questions, and you don't get a, a real answer. Really, you just get something and okay, but what's the? Mm, mm. You didn't give me anything. Yeah, but but I noticed with you, you you give the straight answer. Yeah, yeah. And it's well, like that's who and, I am, and it's like who you are. That that's who you are. Yeah, it is. If you don't yeah. like it, but but that's what I believe. <laughs> yeah, you got that's it. All, that's almost what I want everyone to do. Yeah, well, you got, if you look at the two countering, uh, other candidates, my, mm. my two main opponents, uh, uh, Mr. Brown never answers a question. Oh, he's the worst. Yeah, he I, waffles I, off I, on I a tangent. Even... Yep, never, ever answers a question. Um, I know he's a Mr. Fix-It, but that's it. I don't know what... And even then, it's not. Like, people have asked him how, yeah, and yeah. he can't answer it. Exactly. You know, he's just <laughs> he's just using the narrative, you know, the political point-scoring narrative. Um, and we've been calling him out on a lot of the stuff he's been saying, and he hasn't had been able to answer it. Mm. So he's been proven to be... Um, found wanting, and he will—he just cannot answer questions. And I also think he's way past his use-by date. Mm. He really is. So he reminds me of uh, Joe Biden. Like, correct. Can't, can't I call him—I like, call him Wayne Biden. Old, yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah, Wayne Biden. <laughs> and and Efeso and I—we get on really well. Mm. Brilliant guy, really nice guy. But he's doing the wrong job, and I've told him that too. And he—he he almost agrees. Yeah. He can't say too much because you don't want to admit it. But I said to him, mate, you should be in central government doing social services. That's that's what you've been trained to do. That's your that's who you are. You mm. know, that's your forte, man. Go, why are you wasting your talents being the mayor of Auckland? Go go do that thing. But you know, he's in it now, so he can't knock out. Yeah. Um, and he's admitted <laughs> that Labor didn't want him, so that's why he had all those fights with Labor. But they've endorsed him now, but they didn't want him originally. So um, because. I don't know. Maybe he's too lazy for them. I don't know. Uh, who knows why they didn't. But he should be doing social services. That's his thing. But he doesn't answer questions really either, a little bit. But he, he goes off on the normal PR type of answer. Yeah, and his, 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 his numbers confuse me too. Like he, he calls out these numbers. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I don't understand. But mm. where are you going to get the money from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And basically... But, oh, no, he says he's going to get it from the government. But how? Yeah, like, like let's talk free buses. You'll say, okay, well, I've already got a bucket of money over here for roading uh, repairs and this. That's where I'm going to take the money from. Mm. But no one says to him, well, then what's going to happen to the road repairs? Because you've taken that money away. Mm. None of the the reporters or, or or debate hosts have ever done that. They've never all they've said is, where's the money coming from? Mm. And he'll tell you, oh, well, I'm going to take it out of this budget and that budget. But okay, well. The money, so that's like you're taking it from your grocery budget and you're putting in your power budget. Mm. You know, if we talk home budgets, you, you that's how you do things. You go, well, I need this much to pay the power, I need this much to pay the water, I need this much for the groceries, this much for the rates, this much for insurances, all that sort of thing. And so you go, oh, I know what I want to do. I want to go buy this. Well, I'll just take money from the insurance budget. How are you going to pay the insurance? Ah, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically what he's doing with the. 
the free buses budget. Mm. It's not a, it's not like suddenly money's turned up. He's just taking it from another budget. And he said that, taking it from this budget and I'm going to use it from this budget and I'm going to give it away and, and give it to Auckland Transport to offer free fares. And I'm like, that's not what you do. That's not business, man. Mm. It's, that's wrong. That's, that's well, who loses out? Their, their budget is going to take their money out. Who loses out? Uh, roading. Roading. Yeah. Roading. And, and there were a couple of others. I can't remember that he said he was going yeah. to take it from. So he's going to stop things happening to get this happening. But here's the thing. He can't do it unless the council agree. So he has to take that to the table. Mm. And unless 11 councillors or 10 councillors say, yeah, we like what you've got to say and vote yes. It's not a done deal. It's not a done deal. And and I, I've always been honest with the people and said, this is what I'd like to happen. But unless it gets voted in, it's not happening. And and I'm the only one who's been saying the truth of it. The other two are just saying, I'm going to make this happen. I'm like, you can't. You're not the boss, especially Wayne Brown. You know, he thinks he's applying for the CEO job. Wrong job, man. <laughs> You're not the boss. It's not your company. You're just the mayor. You're only one vote, and and you might have some influence, but you're only one vote. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 weird, eh? It's weird that I, it's almost I want them to say to me, okay, we're gonna do this, and tell me exactly how they're gonna do it, mm-hmm. and if they need to get money from somewhere, okay, you're gonna take money from there, then what? Yeah, then what? That's what, what they got. What's gonna happen on that side? Yeah, no. they got to show some honesty, and and I guess with when it comes to things like rates, people have been saying to me, "How are you going to reduce rates?" Well, you can't reduce rates; it's it's almost impossible, and rates will always go up. But what you got to do is stop the amount it goes up as much as possible. So, I mean, I'd, I'd love it only to rise by two percent. That'd be cool if we can. Go, yeah, there's our there's our goal: two percent rates rise. People can handle that; they can plan for it, and it's not a big smash on their their budgets. You know, each week they got to. You put stuff aside, and even if you're renting, you're still paying the rates, you know, because the landlord's got to pay the rates, so you're still paying for it. But what I do is I've been looking at the the expenditure and where we're throwing our money away in council and going, well, hang on, if we don't spend it there, we can save it here. And that's how I've been doing it, rather than I'm just going to take it out of that budget and that budget and use it for this. You haven't really saved anything. You haven't, you, you haven't actually. All you've done is taking it out of one pocket and put it in another. But I, I I look at it like a home budget, right? So if you've got a 32-inch TV on your wall and it works and you're watching your sport and you go, yeah, okay, I'd love a 70-inch, you know? Who, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't sit there going, yeah, I want a 70-inch QLED. I want mm. the latest technology with the, the speaker that comes out of the glass, you know, all that sort of stuff. So this is where you talk about niceties. Yeah, man. And so you go, okay, do we want it or do we just... Do we need it? And if you say you need it, you've got to have it, then okay, then we find we either stop spending somewhere else so that we can afford it or we got to borrow money to get it. But if you end up putting it in the, I don't need it, I, uh, I just want it, then you don't do it. And and to me, that's what you've got to treat the council like. So you've got to look at every single uh, budget we do, um, every single piece of infrastructure, everything we're going to spend our money on and go, is that a need? Or do we just want to do it? And if it's just a want, that can wait, man. We we got to do the needs first. So that's necessities over niceties. And and there's a fine line between them because sometimes people will go, that's a necessity. And others will go, no, it's not. Uh, and that's where the conversations will come in. And that's fine. You're going to have those debates. you know. But when you're playing with the public purse, with people's money, you need to say to the people, I'm not just going to take it out of this budget and do that. I'm not going to buy a 70-inch 
when we don't need it. I'm not going to upgrade the council office chairs and the new stationery just because we want to. We're not going to do any of that. This is what you need as people. That's where we put our money in. And then we control the expenditure. We do that. And then people go, awesome. We're not spending so much money so we don't have to lift the rates. So rates is only about 40% or just under 40% of what Auckland City needs to run. Right, so uh, let's just pick a round number. Let's say it, it only hundred thousand dollars a year to run Auckland. Forty thousand comes from the public and rates. Sixty thousand has to come from somewhere else, and that comes from the investments. Um, it comes from permits, fees, licenses, uh, parking tickets. Yeah, parking tickets. It comes from all that kind of stuff, right? That's that's the other sixty percent. That went out the window in COVID. We know that. It'll come back. So I've got no problem with that. But you've still got this. What happens is with councils is you've got a captive clientele. You've got a you, your clients, your your people who pay rates, they pay it no matter what. Because if you don't pay it, you go to debt, right? They don't have to provide a good service like a shop does. But if you don't provide a good service as a shop, you're not getting that person's work anymore. You're not getting their business, right? But if the council provides a bad service, we've still got to pay our rates, right? Which is why we've got to improve that service. So are you finding angry people now? Oh, all the time. Yeah. yeah. And that's what they, they, it's a captive market. You know, you, your, your, your customer base, they can't go anywhere else. They pay you no matter how badly you perform mm. and how badly you provide a service, you're still paying them for it. And that's got to change. So that's that's my whole thing is, is that's what Auckland Council should be doing. It should be saying to the people, I'm going to provide you a really awesome service for your money and I'm going to save money at the same time and we're going to make everything work so that you don't have to give us a ton of money more out of that 40%. We don't want to make it 45 or 50%. What are we going to do is, is, is work out where we're spending our money so that we can keep you under 40%. And then we'll go, you know, we'll work on the 60% elsewhere, uh, which is fine. You know, that's all good. It's, it's like what really you know, pisses me off is Auckland Unlimited this week came out and said, we need $20 million to help promote Auckland. So Auckland Unlimited is one of the CCOs, the council-controlled organisations. They're basically the, the the tourist and marketing department for Auckland Council. And they said, oh, we're short of money. We need $20 million. And I'm like, well, hang on a second. How about you show us the books for the last two or three years and show us where you've been bleeding money? And maybe we go, well, why are you spending $20 million on that and $10 million on that and $30 million on that? When you only need to spend one or two million, we do all that. Oh, here's your 20 million you needed. It's right here in your own books, but you've been throwing it all around here, wasting money. So, again, treat it like the home budget or treat it like a business budget. You, you, you need to find where you're, you're bleeding your money away so you can do it because you, you've only got a certain amount of income. And, and if you actually expand on that, treat it like a home income, you know how much you bring in each week through your wage and you know how much you're allowed to spend. Because that's all you earn. The problem with council is they'll go, oh, but we want to spend a bit more, so we'll just lift the rates. Right. Well, that's the same as trying to ask for a pay rise. You can't get one, right? So you got to live within your means, but they don't do it. So now Auckland Unlimited is saying, oh, we need another $20 million. What they want to do is go out and charge the businesses that they want to promote to do it. And if I was those businesses, say, uh-uh, bugger off, mate. You know, you've wasted money. Well, it's time you actually learned how to budget. And, and and stop, uh, have some accountability for the public purse. 
Mm. You know, because it's our money, and they're just flittering it away wherever they want. And 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 this is just one of your your policies. There, you want to bring these companies into the council again. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, what are the courts see? Well, it's 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 a little bit confusing. So you, what you've got because AT is part of them too. Eh? Yeah. So I'll, I'll give it a really basic rundown for people who don't quite get it. When people say Auckland Council, Auckland Council is all the departments that make the city run. And generally, they tend to talk about the 20 councillors and the mayor. Right, So there's 21 people. But they are completely separate to the departments and the executive. And a lot of the populations still get a little confused by that. It's almost like, think of them as a... They're like a governing body that oversees a business. Right, So... Auckland Council is those, but then you've got these separate entities called Auckland Transport, Watercare, Panuku, and Unlimited. So those are the four controlled organisations, and they're called CCOs, Council Controlled Organisations, but they're not. They're not controlled by the They're council. not controlled. They're left to do their own thing, and that's why Auckland Transport have just you know reduced the speed on 1,600-odd roads, because... Who's like, whose idea was that? The structure that... The zealots inside Auckland Transport, and that's why I want to be mayor, so I can get rid of them. You know, is this a super city thing that this happened? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Did the super all city? happened as part of the super city. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, okay. so it's it's not done right, and it needs to be fixed. It needs to be sorted out, and I'm happy to do that. Uh, but you've got to be in as mayor to do it. The advantage with the mayor, the position they have, and, and here's another thing about Auckland Council, is you've got those 21 people, including the mayor, so 20 councillors. They uh, sit on committees. So what the mayor does is the mayor says, oh, I want a committee to look after our parks. I want a committee to look after our climate change. I want a committee uh, to look after, well, there's, there's 13 of them. I can't remember what they are, all are, right? So there's 13 committees. But the mayor can remove those committees, add more, and whatever. And then what the mayor does is chooses which of those committees are what they call committee of the whole, which means every councillor is sitting in that committee room, or whether it's just a handful of them. So you might pick four councillors and say, right, you're on that committee and we'll pick park and arts, right? So your job is to look after the budgets for the parks and arts of Auckland City and the rules and what's going to happen. That's that's your, and you know, you meet once a month on this date at this time, that's your job is on the committee. And so some of the, a lot of the councillors are on multiple committees. And so the committee meetings are never at the same time, you know, and that's your job. That's what you're hired to, that's what you're hired to do or voted in to do, right? But the mayor sets who is on those committees. And there are two committees that are in charge of those council-controlled organisations. Two but, committees? Oh, yeah, okay. there's two committees. But they don't do anything because they're run by Phil Goff. And he just doesn't care. And thank goodness he's gone. You know, He's, he's out of here. He's retiring. So, boof, gone. But if I'm mayor, I'll put in really good councillors on those committees. And, and those committees have a lot of power and will bring Auckland Transport back under control. Because the committees control it. But at the moment, they just let Auckland Transport do whatever they want. They let Panuku do whatever they want. They let Auckland Unlimited do whatever they want. There's no oversight, you know. So that's that's the job of those committees. So that's what I'll be doing. So the way you'll change it is you'll you'll get the communities to actually do something about these CEOs. Yeah, yeah. well, you got the councillors, right? And everybody knows that you're going to have some left councillors, you're going to have some right councillors, you're going to have some centre. So you'll have Labour ones, you'll have Green, you'll have, for want of description, call them National you know, whatever. And these are the people that got voted in for... Yep, for councillor. To the board. Councillor. Not, so you've got local board, yeah. councillors, mayor. Right. Three segments. Local boards will worry about in a sec. So those, the councillors, there's 
20 of them to cover Auckland. Them and the mayor make up the table of 21 people, so you get an 11-10 vote if there's a split. So the councillors could be 10-10, the mayor's the decider. Right. Right, makes it uh, 11. I'll mm. go on that side of things. So if you want to make these changes, um, you sort of, as the mayor, you can look at and interview the councillors and know what they believe in. And if you've got a councillor that loves cycle lanes and wants to remove cars, well, I won't be putting them on the committee that has anything to do with Auckland Transport. They won't get that job. Right. Right. They might try and lie to me during a, during the interviews, initial setups. doesn't take much to go through their background to go, oh, this is where you voted. This is what you campaigned on. This is what you believe in. You're not on that committee. <laughs> and that's the power of the mayor. Right. So if I find there's, um, say, seven councillors that want to stop cycle lanes, that want to remove the speed humps, that want to speed up the roads again, that want to get rid of these road restrictions that have been put in, and I find those councillors, I'll be going, right, you're on the committee that's now in charge of Auckland Transport. That's what I'll do. So that's how we'll bring Auckland Transport under control. And there might be, you know, uh, the Arts and Parks one, I might give that to the guy that loves cycle lanes. <laughs> you know, okay, you can be on the parks thing and you can make sure we don't chop down trees and that the parks are kept up to spec and, and that this is the budget you've got set and where we can do things. So, yeah, that's the power of the mayor. That's one of the powers. So it seems to me if Phil Goff likes um, cycleways in that. Mm -hmm. He'll just let AT do what they want to do. Which is exactly what happened. He doesn't have to worry about no. it. No. So what he did was he, he the the committee that controls Auckland Transport, Panuku, Unlimited and Watercare, that committee, he put six of his Labour uh, councillors on the board on that committee with him. And so together, they're a team, and they said, we love cycle lanes, uh, we hate cars, you go for it, Auckland Transport, you do whatever you want, and they just hands off. Well, I'll be doing the opposite. Mm. So, yeah. So you come in as an independent. Mm -hmm. You've just got to deal with whoever. Yeah, you got no say. Gets in it. In the Look, if, if there's, say, 12 left-leaning councillors, you're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> well, I would be, because everything we try and do, they'd just vote against. They'd gang up. But that's what you got to deal with, and that's part of the job. And and the way I do it is is be open with the public. And that's part of the reason of being transparent to the public. And and every fortnight I go along and say, hey, okay, we just tried to push this through everyone, um, but these councillors, and I'll list them, <laughs> I'll put them up on a on a graphic. These councillors did not want this to happen, so just remember that in three years' time, <laughs> you know, or two years' time, or one year's time, you know, um, remember that these councillors voted against it, even though you, the people, wanted it. There you go. And so you're covered. Even though you didn't get it through, the people will go, okay, we get this. The This is why it didn't go through. Does the National Party have people on their, nah. on their ticket? Nah. Because I haven't seen much. Only Labour. Only yeah. Labour. Why is that? Because oh, National is stupid. They're stupid not to do it. They, they should know by now that if they had people as a local uh, ticket, is what it's called, uh, they might get more things done. But they just don't. And it's it's annoying. What they use is a thing called CNR, which is sort of like a pretend national, mini national. They like to say, oh, no, we're not part of CNR. And CNR say, we're not really part of national, but they are. I think they even share the office. <laughs> so they are. But CNR have made a complete mess of the election again. They, they have for every time. They just, they completely mess it up. And they don't get enough councillors in. They don't get enough law, local board members in. And this time, for the first time that I can remember, they they backed a mayor and she quit. You know, so like the whole thing was just a disaster. 
and well, National need to step up, I think, and say, yeah, actually, we're going to run some candidates. We're going to push for them. And that gives also the voter, going back to what you said before about people wanting to vote, it gives people a clear path then. They can say, well, that person's National. I'm going to vote for them. You know, Because the Labour voters will vote for the Labour candidates. Even if they don't like them, they'll vote for them. And National need to realise if they want to put some people of influence into local government all around the country, they need to start backing some of these local people um, I don't know what they're scared of. I mean, I'd stay independent. It's just who I am. Um, I know my policies lean centre-right, and that's fine, and people can soon see that. Um, but that's that's where I'm at, yeah. So how does the, the board work, the local board? So the local board is different to councillor and mayor, mm. and they're not part of the executive. So the local board is made up by population. So you either have five six, seven, eight, or nine members on a local board in, in an area. There's 21 of them around Auckland. I think there's too many. But anyway, so so in your area, I can't remember if you're a five, six, seven, eight, or nine local boards. I'm Henderson Massey. Henderson Massey. Board, yeah. yeah, I can't remember the number. So their job basically is to... Uh, they actually don't have much power, and that's what I want to change. But but they're sort of meant to look after that local region in regards to the parks, facilities, oh, uh, right. council buildings they make decisions they help out make decisions on what will happen in streets and and local business areas and things like that so really they're the to me they're the most one of the most important parts of a council but they no one really knows what they do and they don't have enough power so i want to change that so those local board people need to be able to make decisions locally more than they are now in the spending they need more money so that if the park needs development and they've got the budget they can get on and do it Plus they know because they've done all the. It's their area. There's the area. It's so their turf, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's like a, it goes up in levels. Like you got the board, the local board, board councillor, information. Yes, and then the then the, the councillor. Yep. the park committee. They'll ask these guys. I correct. And then that's exactly what it's meant to yeah. do. Yeah. And they have these. So what's not what, what's wrong? What's not working? Well, the local boards don't have enough power for a start, and they don't have the budget they should have. And so that's what I want to change. To do their work. Yeah, oh, to be able to do things. Yeah. You know, they, they get hamstrung. They can go, oh, well, we want to redevelop the local playground. There's no yeah. trickle-down effect. In the yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we've got to change it. And also we've got to make it so that they go to the people more so that the people understand what their role is, expand their role, give them more opportunities to be able to make changes. And so they can go to the public and say, this is what we're thinking of doing in your local park. Do you want it or not? And the public can come to them and say, no, we don't. And they go, okay, then we don't. Or they go, yes, we do. And they go, right, cool, let's get on with it. It could be planting trees. It could be concrete footpath. It could be building a basketball court. You know, It could be upgrading the public toilets because they're so old and crappy. The crappers are crappy, so they want to change them, you know, and that's the local board's job, and, and that's what they need to be able to do. And I want to get them into working with local contractors and stuff to save money and get local contractors working, so there's all that sort of thing. But... But because the local board are the direct conduit, they are the link between the population and the council building, that's why they need more power and they need to be more open and they need to be seen more so that the general population go, oh, I'll get hold of the local board. Because when you've got problems, you get on the council website and you have to you find the phone number or the online way to contact the council. But what they should be doing is going to local board. Because we pay the local boards, and that should be their job. And, and they go, oh, yeah, that's no problem. Yep, that's part of us. We, we look after that. You don't need to go to council. We are council. We're here we're local representing. But they might go, okay, that's not part of our scope of job. We'll move it up the ladder to the next 
level, which is in the council building. So that's what we've got to do. We've got to get those local boards working better for the people. You know, we talked about the distribution of money and um, and being transparent because that's another one of your policies, eh? to yep. get the uh, separate entity to come in, come, uh, an auditor, auditor to come yeah, in. And, because that was interesting because I learned from one of your talks is that that was a whole point for that was a whole thing that we're going to do for the super city. Yeah, yeah. Never, never happens. So yeah, it's important, man. It's really important. So there's no watchdog. Mm. There's no one going in there going, what's going on here then? You know, and we need that. Um, so I'm going to do that. And, it's, and they're not going to be free. Like We're going to have to pay them a wage, and it could be a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. We're worth it, because if they can save us millions of dollars, you damn right we do it. you know. And if they can find that there's things not working properly inside a department... Now, they, that auditor might go into, say, the building consent department, know nothing about building consents. So they bring in someone who does. Might be an ex-builder, or someone mm. who works in the trade still. He'll go, yeah, I'll come in for a month or so and help out. And they come in, they go, oh, yeah, I see where it's going wrong. Why is this happening? Why why, why are you processing that? Why is that person doing that job? Because that person knows nothing about building. Why are you doing this job? And that's the watchdog we need to find out how, who in the 12,000 staff uh, are there because they need to be, shouldn't be, or are they doing the wrong job? Are they, you know, Because a lot of the time you get jobs for the boys is the old term. You know, and, and what happens with a lot of middle and upper management is they start creating positions to justify their position. You know, oh, I need more people in this department because uh, we're over, we're swamped, so we need more people. Yep, yep. Man, mm. we're so busy. And, and mm. everyone goes, oh, the upper management. Yeah, they, look at that. They, they must be doing well. They need more staff. <laughs> but you need that watchdog in there yeah. to go in and analyze. But again, that watchdog can't do everything, but they need to, once they go through each department, it could be the, the dog department, you know, the, the dog control. And going in and finding out what's going wrong. So what do they do? They don't go in and if they don't know anything about it, they go in and they bring in maybe someone from the SPCA, someone from a pound, someone from a from a animal rescue to go in there for a couple of weeks and go, okay, show us your processes, show us what you're doing. Mm. And they go, why are you doing that? You know, you, you hang on a second. Or they go, ah, that makes sense. That's brilliant. Now, mm. if we find out that things are good, that's what we want. Yeah. But if we find out it's either bad staff or bad systems... Once we know it, we can fix it. Because you can't, it's like your car. You can't fix it until you know what the problem is, right? right? If it's going wrong. So you've got to find the problem first or find if there is a problem, where the problem is, then you can fix it. So That's so a good that's example. Because sometimes when you don't know anything about cars, you want to get it fixed. Yep. They just give you a bill and, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Without knowing. Yep. Yeah. It might have not been a big problem. Yeah, that's right. It might have been a $10 problem. You got it. You charge got you it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's right. So what I'll do is, is that auditor can then look at that bill. Mm. And go, hang on a second. So, you know, that's what we need. So so that's the position I want to create. Um, it's in legislation. I can do it. And they're not controlled by council. So they can be fully independent. So if they've found a problem in a, in a de- department of Auckland Council, they can go to uh, the media and they can go to the general public. They can come to you. They can sit here and say, mm. yep, I found this. And I've told council and they're doing nothing about it. Right, you know it's funny you said about the friends up top helping their own friends yep, and yep. contracts and all that. Yeah, because I I I have thought something like that because where I work I I work in the city, but I work in sort of like the the back streets that no one goes. There's no foot traffic, right? But last year or two years ago or before the year before COVID, man, they did all these roadworks on the on on these three streets where where where, where I work, and. They 
changed everything. Like they renewed everything. New new road, new new curbs, new footpaths. But I was like, man, no one walks here. Yeah. Like what Yeah. It's just jobs why? jobs for mates and also they can get the contract. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking, why are you doing the, when there's yep. probably Yep hundreds of other streets yep. that need yeah, fix it up. Correct. And, and that's know. that's part of the auditing to find out what's going on. Yeah. Because we're, we're that's where we're hemorrhaging money, you know, that's where we're bleeding it. So we've got to stop. There's no no one no one's walking around. No, here. no. <laughs> yep. And the general Aucklander knows that too. But until uh you get someone like me in there, um, it's not gonna happen. No one's gonna ever look at it. They'll just keep doing the same old thing. Another thing, because where I work I work close to K Road. So you know the the um the bike uh, lane? And then they've got traffic lights for those bikes. They've got traffic lights for those bikes. So they've got another set of traffic lights for the pedestrian. You gotta push the yep. <laughs> button for the bike. Obviously you can see there's no bikes. Yeah, man. Just walk across and then push another buttons across the road. Yeah. I'm it's like, a, yeah. What the hell? Nah, it's it's been designed wrong. I've got no problem with cycle lanes. I just don't like them when they're done stupid. Exactly. And there's there's a lot of them are done stupid and they're doing that down at Mission Bay at the moment, Tamaki Drive. And they've they've pushed the cars out and they've pushed the cycle lane out and now car doors are opening out on cyclists because it's just been designed wrong. It's just been dumb. And so we need to And someone died there, girl <coughs> years ago. A few yep. years ago. Yep. Well the, the the see the recent one, the recent death, I think it was in South in the cycle lane. Uh, the cycling activists are up in arms saying, look, see, we need safer cycle lanes, blah, blah. And then today it came out that the person that, that hit the cyclist was drunk. Nothing to do with cycle lanes. So it's, it's yeah, so that narrative, will, they'll go quiet now because they'll go, oops, it wasn't an unsafe cycle lane. It was just the fact we was, it was a drunk driver. Uh, yeah, I'm, I don't mind the cycle lanes, but when it interrupts the flow of traffic you got and, and pedestrians and yes. slows down. Especially like when a lot of them can be put onto footpaths. A lot yeah. of them. You can put it onto a footpath, run run the cycle down the footpath, then a little bit if you have to on the road, back on the footpath. But you know, I don't understand this whole, what are they trying to do? Are they trying to make us all of us ride bikes? Yes. So what's happening is pur- purposeful congestion. So they're restricting us on purpose to make you uh, frustrated, get out of your car, get onto public transport or bike or walk. That's what they want to do. So that's why the speed limits are being dropped. That's why they put in speed humps. That's why they restrict lanes, reduce them down. That's why they uh, got rid of free left turns. It wasn't for safety. Free left turns work beautiful. You never heard of anyone having the big crashes at a free left turn because they come through, these islands, they check, they drive off, and and they say, oh, it's all about safety. No, it's not. It's all about slowing you down. They make you sit at a set of lights now instead of just being able to go on your merry way. So... <clears throat> that has to change. That mentality's got to change. I think it'll start with a new government next year. I hope Labour get kicked to touch. I really do, because they've made a mess and we need something different in there. Uh, it doesn't mean the others aren't going to do a, a better job, but I think we need to try something different. Mm. Same reason I put my hand up for Mayor. You know, we need to do something different. Uh, do it, do it. Try something new. Try something different. So that's my goal. Just the fact that they, that we have to figure this out for ourselves. Like, oh, they're trying to make us uh, ride bikes. Yeah, that's correct. And that's what they're doing. <laughs> so, look, I'll, 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 be, uh, I'll be that mayor for the people and I'll put up my hand and I'll say, we've got to stop doing this because the public don't want it. If the public wanted it. Now, the cycling activists are loud and they're noisy. You know, they, there's very few of them, but they're very good mm. at being loud. And they say, we want cycle lanes everywhere. We want a lane on the bridge. We want this, we want that. There's, there's only around 1% of Aucklanders are cyclists. So mm. the argument they say is, oh, but if you build all the cycles, then that'll grow, that number will grow. Well, it won't because they've built cycle lanes and they're not being used. 
And people still have to travel far. And still, yeah, they they cannot use the bus to get around. They can't use uh, a push bike to get around uh, because you can't do mass transport in Auckland efficiently and effectively because of the layout. It doesn't work. So mm. we need our cars. Mm. And if we want to sit in traffic, well, that's up to us. We'll sit in traffic. That's our choice, yeah. right? But the argument they go is, oh, but you're creating emissions. This is all for climate change. Well, slowing down the <laughs> well, it's slowing down the cars um, makes it worse. Yeah, but also you're actually not gonna change the weather. Um, if every single car was off the road in New Zealand and we weren't putting out emissions, the weather patterns are still going to change because of what's happening overseas. What we do here, the percentage is so small that it's not achieving anything. And today, thankfully, the mainstream media were doing have reported the story of the scientists who have admitted that the climate change numbers are wrong. So the emissions, they reckon, are three times, reported three times higher than they actually are. So it just goes to show that we've, we've been fed a lot of bad information over the last few years. I'm pretty happy with that report that came out. Um, and and that's what I've believed all along anyway, and I'll, I'll keep doing that. So I won't be um, pushing for more cycle lanes. I won't be uh, bullied by a, a loud activist cycle group. Uh, to me, you've got to do what the major majority of the population want. They want to use their car. Fine, we'll make it as easy as possible to use the car um, because the emissions are, are not the, the issue. And I don't look. I don't mind if everyone wants to change to an electric vehicle. That's fine. Mm. We, but they're not green either because you know what goes into making an electric car. They don't talk about. And and the fact is they're not green. And the infrastructure can't charge everybody's electric vehicle at the moment. So. So that's the problem we've got as well. But if people want to change to an electric vehicle, that's all good on them. That's not going to change congestion because they've still got a car. So, it's, yeah, anyway. So, yeah, look, I'll, I'll be making some major moves on that to, to, to bring things back to what they want. And if people want to sit in traffic in a car, that's their choice. Fine. If they want to get on a bus, go for it. If they want to cycle, go for it. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to be bullied by a minority. And that's the thing, eh? especially with when, when, when we talk about the... Um the mandates, you know, when those protests that happened down at, at Parliament, it's all because people didn't... Some of the arguments were people didn't want to be controlled. And that's what they they felt like. That's yep. why they went down to protest. Yep. And that's the whole thing about, you know, if, what you said. If you want to if you want to get stuck in traffic, then... Yeah, that's, that's your, your choice. choice. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? right. If you, if you don't want to travel to your job that way, then don't. That's yeah. your choice. If it's the only choice you got, well, sorry. Yeah. Um, but, but, but why does it have to be going back to... Two cycles. Why can't we use the technology to find a better way? Oh, I'm hoping we will. Uh, yeah, yeah. It won't be in my timeline. I think we should be going above ground for mass transport. And I there's new magnetic and electric above ground mass transport being designed and built right now around the world. But we're always so far behind here. And the problem we've got in New Zealand is we don't have the population to justify the spend. That's the other problem we've got. Like the CRL, you know, that could be $6 billion for three kilometres of, of subway, basically. Uh, that's a big spend for a very, very small use. And when they try and compare us to overseas, you go, yeah, but hang on. There's, and they compare to Singapore. Singapore's smaller than Auckland, and it's got like, what, five times the population in that small little area? So, of course, the mass transport's going to be utilised. But in Auckland... We can't afford it, and there isn't enough people to use it. That's why you have the empty buses. It's just, it's inefficient, um, and we don't have the population, so we don't have the money, which means 
you got to borrow money to build what they would build for 10 million people. Well, we're building it for a couple of hundred thousand people. It's like, no, nah, it doesn't make sense. Like the light rail. It doesn't make sense. It's just it's just stupid. So the light rail was old technology, right? It, 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 well, it's just a light rail. You know, it's yeah. a baby tram, baby train. It's it's silly. It's 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 going to be fifteen between fifteen and thirty billion dollars for something that has no purpose, and they they keep changing it. They're saying, well, originally it was because it was going to get you from the airport to the CBD. When that became folly, when that was they realised, ah, oh, that's not actually what's happening. Oh, well, we're going to use it because that stretch of area we're going to have all this infrastructure and people living there. But now that they're changing the living rules, where you can build anywhere. They're saying that light rail, well, why do they get a light rail on Dominion Road, but they don't out west or they don't out south or east or north? You know, they're building infrastructure too with housing. So the whole thing's a joke. So they've got to get rid of light rail and we'll use the money for something else. Housing is one of the topics that never sort of gets gets put on the um, those debates you guys have been having. Yeah. No. Yep. But that's a big problem with the house prices and Auckland house prices and that. But, you know, it's like problem more around the world. Um and Auckland is like the most expensive city in New Zealand to live. Yeah, it is. The problem is we don't have the population, which mm. means. Um, but then another problem is building those, is the is the unitary plan, right? So you can now build three stories. Yeah. Ne- ne- next door to someone, you can. Yeah, you and can. And what's happening in the suburbs now is that, you know, people are selling selling up. Someone's buying the property and building three townhouses in yeah, this place. Correct. Three and stories the, high. And yeah. the problem with that is that, you're building that with maybe one ga- one garage, and no one's got one car. No, correct. And so all these streets are packed with cars. Parked. And the rule is you don't have to have it as a garage. You can convert it into a flat. So yeah. that's what's happening. So people are turning it into a rental. Yeah. Right. But then you've got all these cars parked on the street, right? Yeah. yeah. And then some of these suburb streets are like, you know. Tiny. Are tiny. Yeah, man. And how are you going to get a fire truck through? You can't. <laughs> you, you actually can't. A lot of them, you can't do it. And that's happening everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that's that's the other pushback we've got to do, which is the pushback I want to do on government because we're 1.6 million people. It's time we flip the bird to government. See, that's not, we're not doing it. Sorry, we're not doing it. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> so, um, I wouldn't get rid of all the villas and possibly apartments Because, you know, Another problem for Auckland City is trying to get people into the city. Yeah, well, you can convert. Like, I've been talking about this whole campaign that you flick the switch in the CBD and you convert it to a family-centric park type thing in the lower Queen Street region, and which means... Because no one goes there to shop, right? You don't shop there anymore. You go to the malls to shop. So what you can do is you, you can remove Queen Street parking because who cares? You don't want to park there because you're not shopping there. The only thing you need parking for is pick up and drop off for, say, Civic or Town Hall, you know, for, for elderly or disabled. They need the parking. That's fine. You give them the parking. Um, but the general population don't need it for downtown Auckland, right down the bottom. But then you've you got all the retail stores who go, oh, okay, well, what are we going to do with our building? Well, turn them into apartments. That's what you do. You turn those ones in. And you don't have to touch the villas because there's already, in the Auckland Unitary Plan, there was already 900,000 sites allocated didn't need to we don't need to smash down the villas the, the sites were already there but the government's come in and said no nah, we want to put them everywhere and I'm like why we already had something we, we spent 2.4 billion dollars creating a plan with consultants who overcharge but that's another story um, what are you what are you doing <laughs> so because when when they finished the um the underground rail mm-hmm. around around town yeah the only people are going to use that are the people who live in, in town. town that's right so it makes sense to me to do away with the heritage uh, nah. rule thing don't need to and intensify the outskirts of the city. No, we've got to keep the heritage. And the reason we've got to keep that is because it's all that Auckland has. It, it, there is nothing historic in Auckland. We're, we're only 180 years old. 
And all we've got are some of these old villas that were built, you know, and they were old state houses by the workers of the day. And they look great. And that's all we've got. If we got rid of them, and then you stood back and went, what have we got as Auckland as our his- history? Nothing. Born in the museum? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in the museum. That's all we've got, though. You know, and, and we can't lose that. We've got to have something to, to say this is, you know, and how cool would it be in a hundred years time to see those old villas still there, maintained, people have kept them, and they go, wow, that thing's like nearly 150 years old. How awesome is that? Rather than, oh, well, look at that square box that was built. Yeah. You know, so we've got to, we've got to do something. And I, to me, that's all, it's very few things Auckland has. We've got our parks, got our beaches, got our, our manga, our mountains. That's it. So what else do we have? We've got to have something. And I think those those old villas have got some character, man. They're, they're, some of them are really nice. I love the strict rules on them. You can't you can't renovate them unless they adhere to a special rules, and that's great. So so that's where I was. And there's other places you can build. There's enough space. We've got enough space where we can build, where we don't have to lose those. For those spaces we can build on, do you, do you agree with intensifying housing Around the outskirts of the city, yeah, to yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. I got no, mm. but the, but people don't want to go into the city anymore. You know, they don't they don't need to travel in for work anymore like they used to. The, a lot of those businesses are satellite now. They're they're in the outskirts of Auckland, and if That's anyone of the parking situation, there's well, parking there, out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there is that, and they just realise they don't have to be in the CBD anymore, which means we don't have to ship people in there every day in and out. And the other thing is, if we were to turn that lower area of Queen Street, a lot of the retail and office blocks into residential apartments, well, the people that work in town, they can live in those. And then they're not travelling either. So they're not in the outskirts having to travel in. So now we've reduced emissions because everyone's not travelling. We've reduced the need for um, mass transport because everyone's not travelling. There's wins-wins in all of this. So, yeah. So the point is to get people... Not to jump in the car, but to live close to work. Live where you work. That's uh, not always going to happen. Hmm. You know, and that, uh, and that's that's life. But and that was my my um, criticism with with the push on riding your bike. Because try riding your bike to you go shop at, at Costco. You can't. How are you going to nah. bike away with those bulk uh, shopping? No, nah, <laughs> it doesn't work. And there's only one or two the loud activists who say, oh, well, I can go get my eggs and milk on my push bike. Well, good for you. But don't force me to do it. Don't tell me what to do. And that's one of the things, I hate people telling me what to do. So stop telling me what to do. I don't want to use a bike. You can. Good for you. You put your little wicker basket on the back of it or your little basket on your handlebars and you're welcome to go to the shops and and grab your milk and cycle home again. But don't tell me I can't. You hit it right on the head with that. Those are the kind of red flags I look at when you feel like you've been told what to do. Yeah. Stop telling me what to do. And yeah. I, I've even had a couple of that on, on social media. And, and it shut them up. When I say that, they, they go, blah, 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 blah. And I just say, stop telling me what to do. Mm. And as soon as they read that sentence, they go, oh, yeah, I was too. They don't, <laughs> they don't come back at you. They must read it and they go, hmm, yeah. Because people do it without realizing they're doing it. You know, that stop telling me how to live my life. You know? I felt a lot of that with other people, not me, but other people that I know, especially with the mandates. Yeah. And all that, all the COVID. Stop telling me the... how to live my life. That's right. You know, it was it was sad. it was it was kind of like where I I sort of saw the first time that Labour was getting unpopular with the second time round of the lockdown because yep, yep. the first time round that was understandable because yes. it was new and we did a good job of keeping it out. Yeah. Then the second time it went all pear shaped. Yeah, it has. <laughs> and even now it's pear shaped. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's more people boosted dying that that than before. So it's 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 all a myth. 
and it and it's a problem. So it, it all comes down to that. There's a lot of that is just stop telling me what to do, and and that's why as a mayor I'll be like that. It's it's how I'll bring things to the table is. We do what the people want, not what we're going to tell them, which is what Auckland Transport do. They tell you what you're going to get. Well, stop it. It's, it's You don't own me, and you don't own the city. It's not yours. You, it's it's ours, and you've got to stop telling us what to do. So, yeah, that's that's how I operate. So there'll be a lot of that change. Yeah. 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 With, with the three candidates, including yourself, mm-hmm. I, I liked, I think I liked less what, what Brown has, has, has put in me. There was... There was maybe one thing with you that I didn't, I felt like it was kind of, I, I sort of agree with it, but I thought it was a bit dangerous the mm-hmm. way you were going about it. And that was the whole, you didn't like race policies. Mm-hmm. Don't, yeah. yeah, I don't like them. Yeah. And, and I was thinking, okay, I don't like them either, but this day and age, it's hard to put that out there without people, anybody calling someone a racist. You got it. You know? Yep. And I'm not scared to do it. And that's a hard thing, man. Especially now, because yep. all this political correctness go coming yep. out there, all this diversity talk. Yep, I'm not scared to do it, and I do get some backlash. Yeah, but I, I'm not afraid of it, and and I the, I think the majority agree with me that we need to be one people. We need to grow up, and we need to be. If, if it's governance, if it's someone, if it's a group of people in charge of something for us, it's sh- and it's a position that should that's voted in, then. Everyone should be voted in, not just some of them, everybody. So if, let's say there's 10 people, right? You don't just vote in five and then you, you give the five spots to someone because of DNA. That's that's wrong to me. All 10 should be voted in by the people for the people. Um, and that's a touchy yeah, sort yeah, of... That's right. They're walking go, on eggshells when you yeah, go man, down that because route. Because then they go, oh, well, that's breaking <clears throat> the Treaty of Waitangi. And yeah. so I say, I don't care. This is how we should be. Forget about that. This is it's time to grow up now, and this is what we should be, and and it should be all of New Zealand. We're multicultural. Pacifica should be there, and I can say, well, they're okay. Why don't we have five Chinese? Why why not five Indian? Why not five Samoan? Why not five Fijian? You know, and they oh because they're not Treaty of Waitangi. Well, I'm sorry, but this is New Zealand's changed. We're so multicultural now. That we've got to we've got to be a bit different. We've got to think differently, and and we've got to change the script, and we've got to stop barking about the Treaty of Waitangi all the time. So that's why I believe you. You everyone on there is voted in position. I'm not, I'm happy to take uh, advice and consult, and that could be with Iwi, it could be with Pacifica, it could be with the Chinese, it could be with the Indians, or you know Americans, or wherever they're from. It doesn't matter, and I'm happy to consult and take advice. But at the end of the day, if it's a governance role. Every one of those positions should be equally voted on. So, so that's what I believe in. And that's the whole identity politics you're talking Correct about. Me. Like yeah, man. That's been really coming into our our governments too. Yeah, yeah. The Green Party, especially. <laughs> yeah, well, the Green thing. Party are no longer the Green Party; they're the Social Party. Mm. So they've gone away from looking after the environment, and they've gone more into social issues, and they've jumped in a wild place and often you read what they're doing and go what what you meant to be the green party Mm. what's going on yeah so how how do you how do you come to that decision that you're gonna just have have you have that kind of stance like i've always been that way yeah but people a lot of people won't understand they'll see it they'll be influenced by you know diversity um political correctness that kind of stuff and think Oh, that guy's just racist. Yeah, because well, that, that's what happens, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, but, I, I can't do anything about that. Yeah, you know, if that's what they think, that's what they think. I can explain my views, and 
uh, at the debates when it's happened, they everyone understands it and it's very clear. Um, and I and I'll I'll stick to that. That's what I believe in. So yeah. And and well, hope- is it another way you can articulate it? Because I understand. I understand. Oh no, not really. I'm just doing it that way. And and I think eventually uh, people will get it. And those who don't get it, either they just don't want to. <laughs> you know, they don't want to understand my point of view. They'll, they'll argue against it. I'm like, okay, then whatever. You can't you can't force. It's like don't tell me what to do. It's the same thing. I'm, I can't tell them what to think. Because I'm, I'm critical on some of the the Pacifica sort of um, award. You know, they have the the awards, the Pacific Awards, and then they have the Pacific Music Awards and Business Awards and that. Like I'm saying, okay, why are we doing that for? Why are we putting us in the in the corner, competing with ourselves, and just winning these Pacific stuff that probably doesn't mean anything to the rest of the world? Yeah, and I guess there's yeah, a bit that, of that kind of thing. I mean, I, it's not, it's not, it's got nothing to do. Yeah, with I suppose it's more a a community spirit, which is a good thing. It's a good thing. But and at the, the end of the, the day, long, in the long run, in the long yeah, kind of run. Yeah, I suppose it is still a segregation, but that's it, segregation. But, yeah. but as long as it's not doing any harm, then whatever you know. If people want to celebrate, go for it. Um, but I, I, for me, it's it's the co-governance, and 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 when when there's an entity in charge, because technically you could say, imagine if the councillors, the twenty councillors, uh, only ten could be voted in, the other ten were iwi representation. That's what Maori wards are, and that's why I don't like them because that's not voted by the people. That's just saying, well, you're in there because you're Maori. Well, that's not fair. That's we, we, and our nation has to change. We, like I say, we've got to grow up. It's time to time to to start doing that. So, but anyway, I, I you know. But you got you got a Maori in you, yeah, as well. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and that's why um, they struggle sometimes to call me racist. Yeah, um, but it's what I believe in. You know, otherwise I should say to them, well, actually, I should be the mayor by default just because I'm Maori. I'm the only I'm the only candidate that is. So, yeah, there we go. I should be mayor. The other criticism I think people have of you with that view is the decolonization thing that's going on because that's anti that. That's not you're not trying to. It's not helping decolonization. But it is, isn't it? Because I'm I'm saying we don't want separatism anymore. But it's like you're. You're going back to the Western world sort of oh, thinking. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that, that, that's what I mean about people um, will misunderstand and think. Yeah, they, they might think of it like that. I'm just thinking of it you're as... You're giving in to the Western world ways and... No, more just just the... I wouldn't say giving in. I just think that's the right way, just for me. I just think it's yeah, the right way. Yeah. Um, that that we're going to be governed and you've got to be voted in. Just, to me, it's clean cut. That's what I want from anyone that's that's holding a governance position over me, I want the right to vote them in. You know, recently on the news, because after the, the Queen, she passed away, and Charles and now the King, there was, new, there was talk about New Zealand becoming a republic. And when that happens, is it right? When I heard that now the Treaty of Wakatanga won't longer be, be valid, because Correct. when the Queen's gone, yep. that's that half of the treaty gone, and Correct. what's going to happen? As far as I'm aware, yes, it'll nullify it, mm. and and I think that's where the big pushback will come. Because um, if that happens, do you think that will happen? Because that'll be very interesting. Yeah, in I terms of colonization, decolonization, because that yeah. is that's sort of pushed decolonization forward. Yeah, it'll be part. Of, it'll goes. be a huge part of the discussion. Yeah. I, I I got no problem with becoming a republic. 
I, I, I see no issue with it. And maybe that's what we need to grow up. Maybe that is the, the kick we need to say we're now one nation. We're just New Zealanders. We're just Kiwis. I don't care if you're from Tonga or if, if, if you're from Mumbai. It doesn't matter. You're a Kiwi now. And we're all going to be that in, in New Zealand. You know, but there'll be some there'll be some kickback. <laughs> Massive, mate. Yeah, but anyway, anyway. Yeah. So I hope that I hope that explains who I am as a person. Yeah. 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 Oh, great. So, man, we got one more week. I think one more week. So what's going to uh, happen? Well, it's a matter of getting that message. I I got to push the message hard on social media to say I'm 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 an option. I still think the only option. That's you know I'm positive. That's about your slogan, it. there. Yep. The, the only I'm the only option because the others aren't an option. You know. <laughs> Um, and, and that's, I'm going to push hard and I'm going to, I'm not going to quit and hopefully the message is enough to, to get me up there and then I'll make the decision. If, if I'm not successful, I'll make the decision with some people and say, Hey, do I try again or not? You know, and I think that'll just simply come down to the numbers. How many voted? If you get more numbers, I think you got thirty two thousand last time. Yeah, yeah. If you get more this time, I'll push you to yeah, yeah, it would. come running. <laughs> but if if I got a low number, I'd be going, wow, okay, mm. got some good reach out there. People were interested in what I'm saying. They didn't vote, mm. so okay, yeah, I'm I'm going to go do something else. So the other thing you were straightforward on is the climate change thing, eh? Yeah, and um, you know, you know, when I think about that, I think about there's got to be more more important things than because you know what I think. You can't. You gotta tackle poverty first, because the people in poverty, that's climate change is the last, last thing on their mind. Exactly. Yeah. They're trying to survive. Yeah. And the problem with poverty is it's a government issue, not a council issue. Mm. All we can do for poverty as a council is is keep the rates hike as as low as possible, yeah. so that they're not having to pay higher rents or not having to pay higher rates on their own property, whatever it is. So that's all council can do. The the rest of it is government. Uh, so so what's the because. Things to run the city, right? You got the police, but that's government. That's government. You got the uh, fire, fire, fire ambulance, service, government. schools, hospitals. That's all government. All government. Right. Social services is government. So, so you it's know, not like America eh, when the mayor. That's right. Runs the. Yep. No, it's not. It's 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 separate. Um, and so the council is actually, to me, that's why my focus is core services. You know that we're a service company. The council. Our job is to maintain the city, and 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 build it. That's our job, and it's the government's job to provide some of those services inside our city, which is the policing, the ambulance, fire, hospitals, schools. Because uh, the fire service has been oh yeah they've been been struck been, in. yeah 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 because because they're not being looked after by the government either. Mm. So so that's and and if the government isn't isn't supplying that to Auckland, it's the mayor's job to lobby government to say you're not supplying us with what you're meant to be supplying us. So come on, get your act together. We need it. We're desperate for it. It's got to happen. When is it happening? Why isn't it happening? And you just you just get into them. So the, that means the council wasn't backing them up when they were on strike, weren't they? Correct. Wow. The council should have been there making a huge noise. They should have been press releases. They should have been making public statements saying to government, you're not doing your job. Do your job. Yeah. Because our citizens are without fire services this weekend, and that's that's dangerous, and it's not meant to be the way. So, yeah, focus on that instead of climate change, please. That's that's what I believe in. Because, you know, for me, like, it's all about priorities. Health, education, mm-hmm. the two top things. Yep, that's right. And then, but if you put cycleways in front of all that, yeah, that's you right. know, that's what it feels like. Yes, it's, it's the priorities if, if are wrong. Put, if you put yeah. climate change, you know, in front of all that, yes. well, to me, you, you solve problems. 
If, only, if you solve poverty, you'll solve climate change. Well, the only thing I want to deal with with climate change is the mitigation, which means helping to slow down the effects of the bad weather, right? Because what we do in New Zealand is not going to stop the weather changes. We're too small. Our percentages are too small. That's actually overseas, you know, that combined that's going to do it. So we need to do things like making sure our drains are clean, culverts are clean, rivers are dredged so that we don't get the big floods. The seawalls are, are built properly so that we're not getting erosion, so that we're not losing our beaches and we're not going to get you know floods and stuff from the from there. So that for me is way more important is spending our money on on maintenance. It's maintenance, you know. It's that's the job of a council's maintenance. So let's do that job properly, and that's what I'll do as mayor. That's that's what I'll be pushing hard for. And if I get in, that's what the people want too. You know, one thing that hasn't been talked about in any of the debates or anything, and it's probably lower on the list, <laughs> but for me, anyway, I'm probably being selfish about this, but, you know, there was an article that kept on the Herald about New Zealand not being one of the great greatest cities for people to come to, uh, places for people overseas to come to. And they made a list of things, and some of the things were uh, related to the city, mm-hmm. like, like everything's closed. The CBD, yeah. CBD's closed. Yeah, nothing's open. They always rate cities on the CBD, not on the outskirts. It's always a right, CBD. Right. Yeah. But the, and I, I felt it too. Like <coughs> I think that too. Like for a vibrant city, and everything's closed. Yeah. yeah. Well, the reason is um, because of COVID one, uh, so it's a little unusual. But the second reason is the government made the a lot of the downtown into emergency housing, and it just it turned the CBD into a into a dumpster. So we've got to move that out again and to make the CBD and then we've got, to, we've got to sort it out once that's happened. So the problem you've got, though, is wherever the emergency housing is relocated, there's going to be locals who are going, hang on, I don't want them here. Right. So that's a big problem, something we've got to nut that's through. That's right, because I heard a lot of the 501s are there yep. too. Yep, yeah. so it's it's something that has to be nutted out and it's not going to be an easy fix, but it's got to happen somehow to, to revitalise the CBD and make it safe again, and make it vibrant so that the livability scale goes back up to make Auckland a destination, and makes it tourists want to come, and makes people want to live downtown, uh, all those sort of things. So yeah, so that's where we're at. Yeah, you know, if you're auditing, are you going to audit the um, the the Paulers Road Trust and the Waitaki Trust? Yeah, I don't like licensing them at trust. all. I don't like licensing <laughs> trusts at all. I think they're dodgy, and I think when they do the PR, because they spend so much money on marketing. Um, a lot of that is to, oh, we'll give you a free first aid kit, we'll give you a smoke alarm, we'll give you a torch, um, we're going to put some uniforms on some of the school sports teams and things like that, right? but it's it's all I have. The, the amount of money they take themselves for all the administration, it's just ridiculous. So, uh, And they're a monopoly. They're stopping other businesses from coming in and, and providing you know a, a better retail experience for people. So... I'm against them. I can't stop them as mayor, um, but I can sue. I can use the office to be really influential and vocal and loud to say it's time for a referendum and, and make that happen. So that's what I would be doing, whether it'd go through or not. Don't know, but because that licensing trust the entity like the CCOs. Yep. Same. Yeah, they're slightly different, and there's there's different licensing trusts all around New Zealand. So they're they're not controlled by the government, or, or they're not controlled by council. So that's the problem. They're a law, they're, they're a legislation thing, and it's it's a little bit of uh, work to go through, but yeah, it can be changed, but it's it's I think they're, they're a system that's not required anymore. So it's just something I'll be noisy about. 
Yeah, mate. So, yeah, plenty of things. So, yeah, all right. What other questions you got? Or I think, I think that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, good yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I suspect as long as you get me uh, 10, 20,000 votes, I'll be happy. <laughs> I'll, that'll make this worthwhile. Oh, you get at least 200 from here. There you go. I think. Good. Okay. Well, it's a start, you know. It's a start, mate. I just got to edit it before, um, as soon as possible. Yeah, Cause, mate. Cause you got to get it online. Yeah, no, we'll be on YouTube. Hopefully, I'll get it the, this weekend. So oh, there we go. Everyone's got a whole week to And suddenly, to if, I, if I win the mayoralty, I'll say it's because of this podcast, and then you'll have to come into the office. You you might even have a job as my uh, my podcast um, production engineer. Hey. Hey. If... if if I could leave my job and be that, yeah, I'll, I'll be it. There I'll we do go. It. I'll do you it. Know, <laughs> you know, we'll get rid of we'll get rid of half of the PR staff that Phil Goff uses, and we'll just keep it grassroots, blue collar. You know, a <laughs> couple of the boys, a couple of the girls in there doing the job. That's all we need. That's it. That's, That's it. it. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. Hey, no worries, man. Appreciate <laughs> it. Thanks for the invite, man. No worries. Thanks, guys.